Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. And I'm Cody Toombs. And today we are still talking about Internet Explorer. So we're picking up the story in January of 2012 when Microsoft finally started rolling out Internet Explorer updates automatically. Let's <laughs> let's give it up, guys. <laughs> we did it. So, yes, before before this point, new major releases of Internet Explorer had to be manually allowed. So, to some credit, I believe stuff like security patches would install automatically if you had that option on in Windows Update, which I, I think, I don't know when that necessarily became the default, but at this point, most people probably had that on. But now Microsoft started shipping major updates automatically as well. So because of this change, it caused Internet Explorer 9 to roll out to any remaining Windows Vista and Windows 7 PCs, and Windows XP computers were updated to the latest available version, which was IE8. And uh, Microsoft still made it pretty easy to block the updates if you wanted to do that for some reason. I'm sure there was some IT reason that that this had to be refusable but who knows yeah it could have been that there was you know it, it was possible to switch internet explorer into modes that would emulate the behavior of older versions but i don't think those were like entirely accurate like that it still it still wasn't entirely like the behavior of the older versions so there might have been a reason somewhere, but this is when Microsoft starts getting marginally more aggressive with keeping people up to date. Later that year, in June of 2012, a retail store in Australia called Kogan.com, I believe, uh, made some headlines for supposedly introducing the first tax on Internet Explorer 7 users. <laughs> a retail store decided to impose a tax. Yes. Oh my god. Okay. Basically, this is this is part of a larger theme that emerges in that people keep using really old versions of Internet Explorer and it makes everything a pain for web developers. So, this store introduced a tax where if you purchase something online with Internet Explorer 7, it had an additional tax of 6.8% which they calculated as 0.1% for every month since the launch of IE7. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So I'm going to read part of an article from the BBC about this. They said, According to Mr. Kogan, the idea was born when the company started working on a site relaunch. Mr. Kogan said that even though only 3% of his customers used the old version of the browser, his IT team had become preoccupied with making adaptions to make the pages display properly on IE7. Quote, I was constantly on the line to my web team. The amount of work and effort involved in making our website look normal on IE7 equaled the combined time of designing for Chrome, Safari, and Firefox. Quote, Mr. Kogan said it was unlikely that anyone would actually pay for the charges. His goal was to encourage people to download a more up-to-date version of Internet Explorer or a different web browser. Mr. Kogan told the BBC his customers were very happy and he had received a lot of praise for his efforts. Quote, love your IE7 tax. I hope it becomes effective, was one of the messages posted to Kogan on Twitter. 
I mean, I, yeah, okay. I, I feel like at that point, the praise you're getting is not from the people that are being taxed. So no, it's probably no. not. This was entirely like other web developers being like, man, I wish that was me. I wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that probably did not reach anyone that had Internet Explorer. But hey, you never know. I wonder if anyone ever actually had to pay that. There had to be someone, right? Yeah, I, I would imagine at least a couple. Either they're not reading the total well enough. If it was like, I don't know where it would be displayed in the checkout, but maybe it was not all that obvious. Or some people just don't care. One of those. Well, that and we don't know how big that store is. Yeah. You know, if they're kind of like, you know, at that point in history, the like buy.com or I guess Amazon was factoring into. If they were like that size, you got to figure there had to be a few people. Not too many, but a few people had to just be like, we don't have another choice. We have to buy from here. I guess we're paying the dumb tax. Yeah. And or most, or we can upgrade. <laughs> yeah. And and most other services and stores that didn't want to deal with old versions anymore would just throw up a message that'd be like, do open a different browser, please. We're not yeah. we're not dealing with this. Frankly, I honestly like I don't know why more sites didn't just do the thing that all the spammy like malware sites did with did for Flash where they just automatically like started the download of flash for you or something. <laughs> yeah. Many times that was also just a virus laden exe, but Hey, you know, just redirect you to Firefox. Yeah. They'd be like here. I think you need some help here. You need some help here. So we're going to help you out. Mm -hmm. So uh, a few months later in September of 2012, Microsoft released internet Explorer 10 alongside the release of windows eight and Windows Server 2012. This version added support for more web APIs like CSS3 Grid and Transform, uh, asynchronous code in JavaScript, drag and drop support for web apps, and support for web workers. The site html5test.com ranked Internet Explorer 10 with 320 points out of a possible 500, which was a significant improvement from IE9, which had a score of 138 much better still not amazing now granted that was more modern browsers like chrome were were also not getting a max score there so yeah i was gonna say i know that they this did not bring internet explorer anywhere near competitive with the other browsers in terms of like the actual score but it was obviously like nearly doubling their old score and more fundamentally these additions made it possible to do a lot of things that previously had become like standard across the web. Right. And like every, every major web app kind of relied on a lot of that stuff. So yeah, it was, a, it was a big, big improvement. Yeah. Internet Explorer 10 also added a new feature called flip ahead, which took you to the page you are most likely to navigate to next based on your browser history. If you like clicked a button or did a certain uh, swipe gesture, Opera had a similar feature several years prior to IE 10. So not like totally an original idea, but still maybe kind of neat, I guess. Kind of, but has also proven to be a terrible idea for privacy. 
Yeah, that's this isn't really a thing anymore. Um, although it's it's still sort of a thing, but in an invisible way, where web pages can preload what they think might get clicked on next. So Internet Explorer 10 shipped with Windows 8, which was a huge update because it introduced like this entire different interface for Windows. So now the start menu and a lot of the applications were running in this new Metro tablet style mode where the apps would take up the entire screen and you had these live tiles that showed information uh, on your, your start screen and a bunch of other stuff. And there was also a desktop mode that you could go to for applications that were not written for this new like full screen Metro thing. So when you were running Internet Explorer 10 in the desktop mode on Windows 8, it looked pretty much the same as IE9. There wasn't really any changes there. But in the full screen Metro mode on Windows 8, Internet Explorer had a completely different look and some pretty big functional differences. I'll send you a screenshot of what IE10 in the Metro mode looks like. It's funny to me how normally when you would send me screenshots, these would all look absolutely horrible. <laughs> because just by their nature, they were things from like operating systems from 20 years ago. This is one of those things like, no, now, now we're just into just a poor design decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Never minding the terrible font rendering, which holy crap, what were they thinking with this? And I know that's just a Windows thing. But uh, this interface just screams to me. It belongs on an Xbox, not on a PC. Yeah, yeah, it, it is It is designed with that level of, like, spacing and element sizes. So Internet Explorer in Metro mode had a main toolbar at the bottom of the screen with the address bar in the center and the navigation buttons to the left and right of the address bar. So like most browsers now, they have the back and the, the, back and the forward buttons next to each other. Uh, mm -hmm. This, like, split them on each side of the toolbar, which is uh, a choice. Well, I get it if you're talking about using this as a, in a tablet. That's obviously what they were going for. It's just you need to you need to build something that adapts to where it's running. If it's running on a tablet, sure. Go ahead, split the forward and back buttons, not the forward. And if you're going to run it on a PC, a laptop, whatever... No, you don't split the buttons. You keep them together, among other things. Like, there's a, there's a lot of things where this doesn't really work super great on a desktop or laptop. Yeah, this was the underlying issue with, with Windows 8 as a whole, is that it was actually pretty sweet on tablets or laptops with touchscreens, but that's not what most people are using Windows on, so it uh, came across as a pain. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, the, the main toolbar thing is at the bottom. Your tabs appeared in a row at the top of the screen and each tab had like a little preview on it sort of like if you're using really most mobile browsers at this point when you go into like the tab view or when you hover over a tab in, in chrome or whatever and when you start scrolling or navigating in a page all of that interface goes away so you just have a full screen page again a lot like modern browsers on phones and tablets which is great on those because you don't have a lot of screen space. But again, people are using this on just normal PCs and it was kind of weird. If you were using a desktop PC, you could right click the mouse anywhere and all of that uh, interface would come back. Or if you were on a tablet, it would come back if you swiped from the top or bottom of the screen. 
besides the interface, there were some functional differences. So Internet Explorer 10 in Metro mode did not support accelerators, which was the thing that we're actually pretty new in IE where like if you right clicked a word or something, then like applications could add custom actions. Yeah, there was also no support for overlapping windows in this mode, ActiveX controls or third party toolbars. If you wanted any of those, you had to open the desktop view in Windows and then open Internet Explorer in the desktop. Okay, so I feel like it's worth pointing out they were doing everyone a favor by taking ActiveX and yes. third, bar, third party toolbars out. Yes, those were bad. <laughs> we need to not do those anymore anyway. They, they should have just banned those entirely. Don't make them available in other modes. Don't, don't do not allow them. Just take out the code and be done. Also, uh, Microsoft worked with Adobe to build a specially optimized version of the Flash plugin for Internet Explorer 10 with some features like mouse rollover support turned off for the Metro version. So there was, there was an effort to like try to make Flash a little bit better. Kind of interesting is that the Metro version of Internet Explorer 10 initially would only load Flash content on Microsoft-approved websites. And they were doing that to try to get better like performance and battery life because Flash is not good. <laughs> like it makes browsing the web way worse. So they were trying to do like an allow list system initially where they were like, you know, if, if there was some popular website that like would not work otherwise, then it would be enabled. But other sites, it wouldn't be. And then this ended up actually being flipped around in March of 2013. And after that point, all Flash content would load except for websites that Microsoft specifically blocked. So there was an effort to like kind of try to balance user experience with like battery life and performance there. And also like if you needed Flash content, none of this was on the the desktop version of IE10. So like if you, if you still needed to go to a website, you could just pull up the, the old version of IE10 or uh, another web browser. There was another change in ie 10 that sparked some controversy which was how it handled do not track so do not track is a is a whole thing like this <laughs> this this was a whole thing that went on for a couple years as some like half-hearted attempt to get better privacy defaults i'm not going to go too far into it but a quick summary is that do not track was designed as an opt-out mechanism for tracking in websites and the idea was that if you enabled do not track, it would send a HTTP header to every website you visited that would tell the website, I have do not track on, do not track me. And websites were supposed to respect that option. Um, that's not at all what happened. <laughs> it, yeah, it's never going to happen because you're literally asking websites to opt in, in a sense, to respecting your opt out request. No one did that. Yeah, so by the time Internet Explorer 10 rolled around, it was already implemented in most other browsers, and there was some movement on some kind of legislation that would force websites to respect the setting. Um, those laws went nowhere, obviously. Now, in other web browsers, the setting was opt-in, like it was designed to be. But Internet Explorer 10 actually automatically enabled Do Not Track when you were installing it with the Express settings which made the advertising industry very upset uh, mm -hmm. because they were only willing to support this setting 
if it was opt-in because shocker no one goes into the settings <laughs> to turn this on so it was it was like basically meaningless but they could still you know if if some government authority came up to them or like hey you're collecting a lot of data you know the companies could still be like well people can opt out if they want to yeah there was an open letter signed by Dell, IBM, Intel, Visa, Verizon, Walmart, and other companies that said, quote, Microsoft's action is wrong. The entire media ecosystem has condemned this action. In the face of this opposition and the reality of the harm that your actions could create, it's time to realign with the broader business community by providing choice through a default of off in your browser's do not track setting, quote. Basically, we were happy when people forgot to do this, and yeah. we want that back. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very silly. Um, and Microsoft didn't change anything, but by the time IE ten was released, most advertisers were just ignoring that option entirely. If they if they did it all before then, uh, actually, Microsoft changes their position in twenty fifteen, and they kind of go back to having do not track as like an option. But by that time, like, the entire idea fell apart. No one cared anymore. So mm -hmm. it effectively did nothing. It, no one can say that we didn't have good intentions when that one was created. It just wasn't meant to be. I think it's very funny that this really shows how the entire advertising business, even at this point, was was very based on privacy being an option that most people were supposed to ignore. Mm-hmm which is still very much a thing today. But obviously going back much farther than this, that was already a thing. But it's it's funny to see that come up again and again. I would take it a step further to say that privacy has always been a thing that you could ask for and you will never really know if they let you have it or not. Yeah, like there wasn't a... <laughs> Yeah, because again, most sites didn't support this, so you could go to you could go to one website that had this enabled, and it might respect your privacy. But then you could click on a link to a different website, which would still do whatever it wanted anyway. You probably would have no way of knowing. It, it's like sending a letter somewhere or email or whatever. Uh, send a letter to them and say, "Hello, sir. I would like some privacy." And their response, automated or not, is, thank you, your request has been received. Yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. nothing I else. mean, literally, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. we do not confirm nor deny whether or not it's been accepted, but thank you for your patronage. Yes. The second thing that's funny to me about this is that nowadays, one of the major uh, differentiating factors that other web browsers, besides Chrome, try to do is that they block ads or have some increased level of privacy protection by default because Google will never do that because their entire business is advertising. So every other web browser, if they just implement an ad blocker or something like that, which is relatively easy, that's a, that's a selling point for them. And it's funny to see Internet Explorer doing that when its market share is being gobbled up by, by Chrome. Mm -hmm. So... Even back then, the way you made your browser better than Chrome was to have some level of better privacy. Again, this is almost nothing. This was barely effective, but... I've watched this sort of fight 
happens several times, a lot of times. And what it always kind of amounts to is I don't think that they're necessarily, quote unquote, making their browser better. What it kind of feels like is more of a, hey, big advertisers, of which you know who you are, we can poke at you. We can put out a browser and it will undermine your whole business model. So just know you could play better with us. I, I've always felt like that's what's really happening because everyone knows that you're not going to successfully undermine the big browser. Right, right. It's like leverage. Yeah. Um, like it, I know. It, leverage or threat or something. I, I don't exactly know, but it's some sort of a poke. Yeah. So I'm going to read part of a Internet Explorer 10 review from PC Mag. They said, quote, IE10 is probably the best touchscreen optimized browser around today, and I've looked at a bunch of them for the iPad as well. Its large, touchable tiles helpfully take the place of tabs in other mobile browsers, and swiping ahead and back to web pages is a natural gesture. Maybe most important of all is its full screen view, which some iPad competitors do offer, and if you need multiple Windows plugins or any of the other traditional browser tools, the desktop version of the browser is always there for you. There's no doubt that IE10 is the fastest, most web-standard compliant and leanly interfaced version of Internet Explorer we've ever seen, though it doesn't lead competitors like Chrome and Firefox on some of these measures. In terms of standard support, Internet Explorer becomes a truly modern browser with version 10. It would certainly be our top pick at this point for Windows 8 computers, but when considering the browser world as a whole, we still give the editor's choice to Google Chrome with its leading speed, HTML5 support, and browsing helpers and accelerators. Hmm. So again, same story as IE9, where this is a huge step up, and in certain areas, it's probably better than the competition, but Chrome and Firefox are still better packages overall. The To me, kind of a standout point was they're talking about the gestures, like swiping back and forth, which I seem to remember in the brief little bit that I tried of that, it was kind of actually not a good thing. But, you know, power user versus sort of, an, I guess, the normies. Uh, I I could see maybe why I wouldn't have liked it, but other people might. Also, in a funny way, I think it's... I think they were trying to write something positive because they chose specifically to talk about this in the context of how good is the browser as a touchscreen browser. Like, if you're comparing Internet Explorer versus all the other browsers and what would have been a normal context for most people, you know, I'm it, it would have lost points big time. But if you're comparing it on the basis that, hey, here's a browser that was designed to be a touchscreen browser versus all those other browsers that weren't, well, yeah, it it's going to look like it wins. Yeah, this entire Metro interface for Windows 8 was basically a new software platform. So if you were like getting a Windows 8 tablet and you wanted the best possible experience, you probably would go with Internet Explorer just because mm -hmm. like nothing else was really built for that yet. Yeah. And give it. Well, I was going to I was I want to say give it a few months or give it a year or something and others were going to come out. But no, others didn't no. come out. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I actually don't remember if like. Chrome or Firefox ever supported the well first there's like the Metro interface which isn't all that important because apps can still run in the desktop interface and all of them did yes but with Windows 8 you also had the first 
batch of ARM Windows tablets, and I don't know how long it took other browsers to show up there. That's the thing. I don't remember any of them ever doing that. Not that I was following super closely, but yeah, I I don't remember other browsers ever actually showing up and being a part of that. And, and part of that, to be fair, is a lot of the Metro apps only came from the Microsoft Marketplace or Windows Marketplace, whatever it was called at the time. And Microsoft's policies on what could go into that store were... Um, the word draconian actually sounds like an understatement. They were harsher than Apple. So the idea that another browser could put their software in there, very unlikely. It, I, don't, I don't know. They might have been allowed to do it if they used maybe like the web view that was built into the OS, which of course would have been Internet Explorer. But I don't, I don't think other browsers were allowed to put their I, to put browsers in there. And if you weren't in the store, you probably weren't going to bother supporting Metro. Yeah. Now, in September of 2012, there was another major security vulnerability discovered in Internet Explorer by researcher Eric Romang. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. The exploit affected Internet Explorer 6, 7, 8, and 9. I don't know if it was 10 or not, but anyway... Um, it allowed remote hackers to execute arbitrary code on the computer it was running on. It was discovered while researchers were going through the servers used in a series of uh, attacks that were collectively called Nitro, which started in July of 2011 and primarily targeted chemical and defense companies. Network security firm AlienVault later found three other servers that were hosting a new Internet Explorer exploit and believed it was being targeted at defense contractors. So uh, another another vulnerability that had probably been floating around for a really long time that uh, took a while to be discovered. And uh, this was another vulnerability that caused the German government to ask its citizens to stop using IE. <laughs> they were like, guys, we mean it now. <laughs> um, of course, every time they did that, they were like, please stop using it until the bug was patched, but I'm, I'm sure they wanted to say, like, please stop using this. So that was in September of 2012. In December of 2012, there was another zero-day security exploit in IE. Around December 21st, the website for the Council of Foreign Relations, which is a U.S.-based research institute, was hacked and infected with a Trojan virus that used an Adobe Flash file <laughs> to sort of, like, as a payload. <laughs> So we're just we're hitting all the all the greatest hits here. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh that virus used a previously undiscovered vulnerability in Internet Explorer 6, 7, and 8, but it didn't affect IE9 and 10. So Microsoft uh, stays winning. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but okay. You know, I, I know that we already did the Adobe Flash thing and we appropriately pummeled it. But I'm convinced that the reason Adobe eventually decided it was time to end Flash was because they were tired of every single headline about Flash always being new vulnerability discovered, yeah. <laughs> new new major hack, new uh, new attack vector, all because of Flash. Yeah, they were tired of half the headlines being terrible negative things with their name in, in big bold letters. Oh, it had to be way more than half. Oh, yeah, it really did. 
Two months later, in February of 2013, Microsoft finally released Internet Explorer 10 for Windows 7. So uh, up until this point, IE 10 was only for Windows 8, but uh, they finally backported it to 7. The Windows 7 version of the browser didn't have any kind of a Metro UI, um, because that all needed 8, but uh, it still had the uh, like regular desktop mode browser, and it was that part was functionally identical to what you get on Windows 8. IE 10 was never released for earlier versions of Windows than Windows 7, though, which left PCs with Vista stuck on IE 9, and Windows XP machines were still stuck on IE 8, which is not good, and also all of Internet Explorer's competitors still supported all those platforms. I feel like everybody supported XP about as long as, well, not at, not as long as Microsoft did, but pretty close. Okay, so I just looked it up. PC World says that in April of 2016, Chrome dropped support for Windows XP and Vista. So that was like three years after this? <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can effectively use the carrot and stick approach when a lot of people don't want the carrot. Like it, obviously, this was an effort to try to get people to move to newer versions of Windows. But it just doesn't work when no one cares about the version of Internet Explorer. Right. At like, absolutely. Like, <laughs> there were maybe seven people total who were like clamoring to update to Windows 8. Like, it was just, it was not a popular update whatsoever. No. Later that year, in 2013, there was another high-profile security exploit that allowed remote code execution on PCs through Internet Explorer. And dear listener, if if you think that you accidentally hit the rewind button or restarted <laughs> earlier in the podcast, let me assure you, you did not. No. Nope. This is just another one. There were a lot of these. And again, like, I'm not, I'm not talking about every single exploit uh, also because like i, I know if I've, well we'd be here for days we would we would be here for a very long time but also like one one thing i i do like to bring up again is web browsers are extremely complicated like they're basically their own operating systems so security vulnerabilities are going to happen zero day exploits that like have some level of like you know breaking out of the sandbox are going to happen if you look at Every, you know, Chromium and Firefox update, like usually they're patching one or two of those. They're going to happen. The most you can do is like try to build your thing in a way that prevents them as much as you can. And then also be very good about patching the exploits as soon as they're discovered and rolling out those patches. So like I'm not I'm not necessarily like faulting i.e. for having so many of these, but the problem over and over again is that Microsoft is very slow to patch these and very slow to roll out the patches. Yeah, basically. Also, they weren't very good with their, like, bug bounty programs. No, just a, a lot of this that was very bad. And again, why, for, for as many complaints as I have with Google Chrome, especially in its current position, I am grateful that... It uh, made everyone used to automatic updates because that fixes a lot of these problems. So this security vulnerability was known as CVE 2013-3893. 
It affected all known versions of Internet Explorer and used a vulnerability in the set mouse capture JavaScript function in IE's engine to execute arbitrary code. It started showing up around mid-2013. Microsoft had a temporary fix available by mid-September, but it was still not fully patched and rolled out until October 8th of 2013. (laughs) So again, like this is the problem, not so much IE has security problems, but more that like they're not being fixed (laughs) very quickly whatsoever. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas like if multiple months. Yeah. Whereas if Google finds a zero day in Chrome, usually that patch is rolling out to most people within a few days. Yeah. And at some point, your browser will start showing you like the different colored update buttons. And if it's a big enough issue, it goes to red like in 24 hours. Again, not talking about all the security exploits, because again, that just happens with all software, but there's a recurring theme where Microsoft is not fixing them quickly enough. So uh, Internet Explorer 11 was released in October of 2013, following some preview builds earlier that year in June. It was released alongside Windows 8.1 and later arrived as an update for Windows 7 and Windows 8.0. IE 11 added support for WebGL, custom data attributes in HTML, CSS Flexbox, and JavaScript mutation observers and some other stuff. It removed support for document modes, which was a long-standing IE feature that allowed websites to sort of like display different parts of their page, depending on what version of IE you had, which was kind of sort of helpful at one point. But at this point, it was mostly an issue where like websites would use them wrong so like a a new version of ie would like accidentally get the experience intended for like one or two versions back because they didn't code it right ie 11 also included more optimizations to extend battery life such as suspending tabs in the background and using the gpu for some image processing ultimately internet explorer 11 would be the final major release of internet explorer because after this point, Microsoft starts working on Project Spartan, which eventually becomes Edge. So uh, we've we've reached the end of uh, mainline Internet Explorer, sort of. Ed, ed, the, <laughs> the first version of Edge is like basically IE. We'll we'll get to that in the next episode. But so yeah, I guess uh, that's that's where we'll leave it this time. So uh, Cody, would you like to plug things, mayhaps? Well, the usual, come follow me on Mastodon. Don't go to the bird site. And, uh, well, I I hope to have a project in the near future to come check out. Excellent. And uh, it, it will be patched for security exploits in a reasonable amount of time. I do not promise this. <laughs> <laughs> well, TechTales is at TechTales Show on Twitter. Um, again, please stop using Twitter, but if you're there, at least follow TechTales. And uh, it's also on Macedon at techtales at mas.to. The links for both of those are in the show notes. Also in the show notes are all of the sources. We provide sources here. It's very important. We also have links to support the show if you'd like to do that. There is an official subreddit at r slash techtalespodcast where you can discuss episodes with other listeners. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll be back in your podcast feed soon. Good night, everybody.